Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, Ripple, Stellar, Shrootbucks, Whiskey, Tango, Foxtrot. I've talked about this before, but I want to talk about it again because I still don't know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> the cryptocurrency formerly known as Prince. Who understands cryptocurrency? No, you don't. Anyone who raised their hands. No, sir, you don't. In the brown T-shirt, you don't. You think you do until someone says, explain it. I'm Sharon Brett Kelly, and like Ellen DeGeneres says, I think I know, but I struggle to explain it. And part of the problem is the lingo. Here's comedian Brent Tahoon with his take. So simple. They dig for it down in the crypto mines, which is decentralized. That's important. At first, it's not crypto. It's mogwai, which they then convert to gremlins using midi-chlorians, but only after midnight. Then they take that and run it through the blockchain using a flux capacitor, which is what makes cryptocurrency possible. And then they take that and you can trade it peer to peer. But there's a serious side of the cryptocurrency craze. In January, the market was said to be worth one trillion US dollars. In April, it topped two trillion. Then it crashed on a tweet and surged on another tweet. The recent days in crypto have been extremely volatile. But if you look over the past year, Bitcoin's up 300%. Many of these crypto infrastructure plays are up that much or more. Has it been volatile? Yes. Will it be volatile in the future? Yes. And it's not going away. So today on The Detail, we're trying to make sense of some of the latest developments in the cryptic crypto world. Or what's behind the bubblishness? Yes, that's a word that's been used. It's been interesting to watch from, from the sidelines and I jump in and out and see weird things and these weird trends. The language around it is just so mind-boggling. That's RNZ's business reporter Nicholas Poynton. He's picked up some pretty quirky angles on the crypto world and he reckons it's filled with toxic masculinity. You know, I used to talk to friends you know, at parties that talk about sports betting and things like that, but now they talk to me about cryptocurrencies. Do they? And I think that's so funny, like... You know, people I see post about it on their own Instagram accounts. What do they post, though? Things like buy the dip, hold the line, these sort of catchphrases. And these are people who have never, ever once talked about investing before, but they probably feel empowered by this new environment that they're in. They read a few articles, watch a couple videos on YouTube. Let's get to it. I'm now an investor. More from Nicholas soon, but first... God, do you get sick of this, like trying to explain what cryptocurrency is? No, not at all. It's, Don't you? <laughs> no, I mean, everyone has to start somewhere, right? And that's, that's one of the things that I'm constantly telling customers and staff as well, is like, we all started knowing nothing about crypto, and it's only been around for sort of a decade, so everyone's just varying degrees of new to this. I'm with Janine Granger, co-founder of Easy Crypto. It's a site people can use to buy and sell cryptocurrencies. I got into cryptocurrency, I think it was around 2014. You know, I came across Bitcoin on the internet. I have no idea how, but I remember thinking, this makes a lot of sense because with the internet, we have a global village where people can communicate globally, um, you know, share information globally, but we didn't have any global payment system and it was difficult for people to move money internationally. And so I, you know... Tried a little bit of Bitcoin then just to see how it worked and sort of figure out how to set up a wallet and that sort of thing. And then it has become more popular It's as an investment vehicle rather mm. than a, a currency. You know, cryptocurrency more broadly has a huge range of use cases and a lot that you can do with it. And transaction and sending money internationally is, you know, one of the very obvious use cases. But it's probably not the best use case for Bitcoin. So Bitcoin specifically is 
better as a store of value and as sort of that digital gold that people talk about. But for transactions and for sending payments, you've got a lot of other options that work better in that space. Your company... Is, is that more really about investing? What we are about is giving people a way to get into and out of cryptocurrencies. So if you have New Zealand dollars and you want to buy Bitcoin or Ethereum or any one of about you know 140 other different currencies, you come to us and we can help you 100. with that. 100? So hang on, so 100? I think we sell 146 at the moment. Cryptocurrencies. Yeah. And I don't even know what all of them are or all of them do. It's you know it, it, This is the thing about the space. It's so hard to keep up. There's so much going on and so much innovation. But there are thousands of cryptocurrencies out there and there's really no barriers at all to creating a new cryptocurrency. We could sit down and do one together, you know, right now if we had some time. Wow. I don't imagine anyone would want to buy it, but the point is, you know, the technology's there, it's open source and anyone can get involved, which is yeah, really cool. That's the point, isn't it, Janine? Because um, Dogecoin, that mm. was started as a joke. So uh, anyway, you've heard a lot about uh, Dogecoin. Uh, if not, I'll explain it to you. Dogecoin is uh, where two teams stand on opposite sides of a gym and then they throw a ball at each other and they try to hit someone. Oh, that's dodgeball? Oh, then I don't know what that is. And now people are seriously investing in it. I'm not even sure how to pronounce it. Some people say Dogecoin, some people say Dogecoin. Uh, I'm going to call it Dogcoin because it's cuter and uh, it has a picture of a dog on it. Shall I go into a little Dogecoin yes, history? Let's okay. do it. So Bitcoin was the very first cryptocurrency ever, and it sort of started this whole digital asset thing. It paved the way. It, it designed the technology, um, aka the blockchain, which allowed people to transfer value digitally without any intermediaries. So that's really, really powerful. The ability to send f- funds, to send value, without relying on a bank or a government or a credit card, just peer-to-peer directly. Bitcoin. It was all the rage in 2017, then sort of went into the background, and now is back with a bang. But then there are lots of ways in which Bitcoin could be improved. And like anything in life, the first version is not usually the best. If you think of the first mobile phone that you had, it's probably... Not at all like the one you're using today, right? Very True. different technology. Yeah. So lots of other types of cryptocurrency started springing up using this sort of blockchain concept. And one of the relatively early ones was Litecoin, which was trying to be the digital silver to Bitcoin's digital gold. And that transactions were faster, cheaper. It was more of a day-to-day currency. Um, Dogecoin then but was built as a derivative of Litecoin. And yes, it was started as a joke. Someone was just like, lol, we could make a Dogecoin. <laughs> but it's got some it's got some differences from um, a number of other currencies. One is that it doesn't have a fixed supply. So many cryptocurrencies, um, Bitcoin particularly, have a limited number of coins that can ever be created. Why is that? It's just the design of the system. So um, Bitcoin will only ever have 21 million Bitcoin in existence. Um, So far, I think around 18 million of those have been mined or have been brought into existence. So there's a relatively small pool left. And once it's mined, that is all there will ever be. And this was just how the creators of Bitcoin designed it. And you can design a currency any way you want. This one was designed to be non-inflationary and quite possibly because Bitcoin was seen as a rebuttal against the monetary systems that led to the GFC and which were seen as quite um, corrupt or problematic by the sort of digital currency creators who had more independent leanings and, you know, didn't want to be part of a monetary system that could be so controlled and inflated by governments. Mm. So that was Bitcoin's design. Dogecoin, 
more Dogecoin can be created all the time. So it acts more like a traditional currency where inflation can take place. And Dogecoin also had fast transaction speeds and low transaction costs. And it, because it had this sort of meme and this history of, you know, you're, you're in the know if you knew about Dogecoin back before Elon was tweeting about it. And so it had a few niche use cases, one of the most common being tipping on the internet. So if someone writes an article or creates some content that you think is really neat, you could tip them a little bit of Dogecoin, you know, maybe a couple of cents, a couple of dollars, but just a way to say thanks. So it had a little community of people using it. And now with Elon Musk getting behind it. Elon Musk, you know, big figure in the crypto community, goes on Saturday Night Live. He's sort of appointed himself as the Doge father. Uh, okay, Doge father. So what are cryptocurrencies? They're a type of digital money, but instead of being controlled by a central government, they're decentralized using blockchain technology. Oh. <laughs> and lately, prices have been soaring for cryptos like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and especially Dogecoin. Oh, right. Now, what, what is Dogecoin? Well, it actually started as a joke based on an internet meme. Mm-hmm. But now it's taken off in a very real way. Okay, but what is Dogecoin? Well, it was created in 2013 and has a circulating supply of 117 billion coins. Of which 113 billion have already been mined. Right, cool. So what is Dogecoin? (laughs) There's no reason why Dogecoin would be the next digital currency of the future as opposed to Litecoin from a technical perspective. But if it gets the network adoption and if everyone starts using it, then that creates the value because value is what people are willing to pay for it. If everyone worldwide thinks it's you know, the next thing, then mm. it will be the next thing. So I can see the attraction <clears throat> of it. And this morning I looked on your website. Can we go on your website? Yeah, let me just so pull it up. This is the thing that says track the market and watch your portfolio grow. And you've listed a number of the different currencies, Bitcoin, um, Ethereum, Dogecoin, so this page will always show the, the top five coins that we're selling. You know, the 140-something the different currencies that we have are all listed on the rates page, and you can see what's moving. But also, most popular this week shows you coins that Kiwis are buying this week more so than they were last week. So we're having a, compared to the previous week, a big um, increase in people buying Thorchain, Arc, Ontology, um, and a few of these other ones. So they're obviously, you know, of interest at the moment. Who would be doing all this buying and selling of these very mysterious <laughs> coins? We have a huge number of customers and a lot of people stick to the, the basics, like the Bitcoin, Ethereum, XRP as well as another one that's quite popular, and even Doge. Mm. Um, but you do always see, also see a lot of people people diversifying into many of the different coins. So possibly buying a hundred bucks here and there or a thousand dollars just to I guess get some exposure across the different potential up and comers and definitely I think quite speculative. There's another name for some of the more obscure coins. Here's Nicholas Poynton again. Am I allowed to swear? Give it a go. Shit coins. And shit coins are cryptocurrencies that have values that are next to zero. Coin that has a value of 0.0003 US cents. And why Things are like people that. buying into it? Is it a speculative thing? Absolutely speculative. I think one of the trends you've seen, and there's been some good reporting overseas about this, pump and dump strategies. One good example was this relatively unknown coin called oh, FEG, F-E-G, token, or Feed Every Gorilla is what it stood for. You, know, you, you can't help but laugh at some of the names, but the names are also part of it as well. They're there to get your attention, right? So FedCoin, relatively obscure, no one really knew about it, but then it started to pop up on various forums. You know, People were talking about FedCoin as being 
the next big thing, you know, you want to get in on this early. It's got a lot of value. And you have sort of self-appointed crypto experts on YouTube talking about this. Fig is going to be the next thing. It's hashtags, Facebook, Instagram, various social media platforms, all talking up the value of this relatively obscure cryptocurrency. And then you start to see people actually buy it. Its value started to increase. But then four days later, there was a major sell-off. $120 million sell-off. And if you're one of the chumps who bought into this, thinking it was actually going to be something, well, you're the one who's screwed at the end of this, really. And like, I have a friend who's really big on these, on all the shit coins, for lack of a better word. And for him, it is all a bit of fun. But he joked about how he'd love to start his own cryptocurrency and have a big TikTok campaign, talk about its value, and run his own pump and dump operation because it seems like such an easy way to make money fast. We do also have people that research heavily into different projects and buy coins that are aligned with their own interest. So maybe people who work in healthcare are buying coins that are seeking to solve problems with healthcare data and that kind of thing, which I think is really interesting. But the thing is, there is a lot of negative coverage of the cryptocurrency world. And Elon Musk can tweet something and it sends a currency crashing and then he can tweet something else and it's bumped up again. Do you understand what I'm saying? It is incredibly volatile at the moment. I would always say to people, you know, do not invest in cryptocurrency unless you're, you know, putting in something that you're prepared to lose. Like this is not a safe as houses type investment. This is a risky, volatile asset and you don't want to, you know, put in more than you're prepared to lose. It is, in my view, a long-term asset. And, you know, the long-term trends have been positive pretty much forever, but they have those big ups and down swings. And the fact that the markets can be moved by um, individuals with large followers making tweets... I guess that's quite indicative of the world we're living in at the moment, right? Whether you had the thing with GameStop. 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 This struggling video game retailer's shares were worth a few dollars in 2020. By January 28, 2021, they peaked at over $450. The frenzy was seemingly caused by a Reddit forum called Wall Street Bets. It has millions of members who hoovered up shares in GameStop in what has been touted as a battle between Wall Street and vigilante day traders who wanted to stick it to the establishment investors. The whole market's been moved by social media discussions and it's a really interesting question for regulators is where do you draw the line between market manipulation and free speech and is this something that can be regulated? And it's sort of hard to see when we will stop seeing this behaviour and I can see it raising a big challenge for sort of regulators because imagine sitting down with them and trying to explain to them Dogecoin or the names of these coins are ridiculous, right? Like I, I made a list, yeah. you know, these, these... Oh, can't say that or that or that. Shiba Inu, which is the breed of dog we see in Dogecoin, yeah. Catcoin, and there's one called... Not that one either. And all these names are about just to I grab don't know your if attention. I publish any of that. <laughs> I'm aware that Elon's been fined by the SEC previously for tweets that um, breached regulations, but there isn't quite that same thing in crypto. He could obviously benefit from making tweets about Mm. Dogecoin if he buys and sells prior to market movements, but he doesn't have the same sort of ownership or regulatory requirements that he would if he were a director or a shareholder or an officer of that company like he is with Tesla. Why would I buy something Mm. that he has so much power over? 
uh, as a cynic, I'd say that Elon is doing this out of self-interest. It would make sense for him to be profiting off these market movements, or at the very least, just enjoying the impact that he can have. But if I believe that most of the world will be reacting to what Elon says and following in that path, and that you know Doge, for example, might become a global currency that it would never have had a chance to be six months ago, then self-interest might lead me to get in on that as well. Personally, I'm not buying Dogecoin. I'm sort of sticking to what I believe in and what I think a good currency is, not just you know the current fad. I think what we're seeing here with the rally around Dogecoin is it is, to, to a certain extent, to a limited extent, leading to more mainstream uh, adoption. We see the likes of, of Mark Cuban also tweeting about it. The Dallas Mavericks, uh, which he owns now, accept Dogecoin uh, for sales of tickets and merchandise. There's other sort of smaller companies. Air Baltic, a Latvian airline, is starting to accept Dogecoin. So I think the difference here is that as, as Dogecoin increases in value, that pumps up the publicity around it, uh, and that is leading to slightly more mainstream adoption. I wouldn't be surprised if Dogecoin is, is commonplace in the future because of this episode, which is quite fascinating, to be honest. It's fascinating, but also, I mean, it was partly about this environmental debate that's mm. going on. I'm reading on the Financial Times, Bitcoin consumes as much electricity as a medium-sized European country. Someone said, called it a dirty business and a dirty currency. I read another article, Bitcoin could increase global warming past two degrees Celsius within three decades. How do you respond to that? I actually think this is one of Bitcoin's greatest strengths is it's not that it is environmentally bad, it is environmentally transparent. Like how many investments can you make today that you know what the environmental impact of that investment is? Next to none, right? Like it is so carbon impact of whole industries, of whole companies is so untransparent. It is really impossible to know what impact you're have, having. Whereas with Bitcoin, the fact that this gets called out so much is because it's so transparent. Like people can measure on a minute by minute basis how much energy Bitcoin is consuming, which is so powerful because if you measure something, then you can improve it. How much energy does the NZX use? I don't know. The company's on it. I don't know. But Bitcoin, you can tell. Um, and I did some research on this recently and I've got a graph here just in front of us looking at the energy expenditure across different monetary and banking systems. Mm -hmm. So gold mining takes about two and a half times as much energy as um, Bitcoin does and the banking system is probably, it looks around 10x on this. So obviously the banking system is putting through a huge, you know, a lot more money than Bitcoin does. But the point is that we don't have clarity when we use our bank as to how much energy is expended, but we sure. do have clarity when we use Bitcoins. People aren't thinking about the consequences. They're thinking about their own sort of self-interest in this. And I think that's the prevailing factor. If there's a quick way to make money, people, yeah, like when I've heard people talk about this, you know, environmental considerations, that never enters the conversation, right? You know, that whole pump and dump strategy, it is incredibly predatory, and like one thing I covered last year was cryptocurrencies and scams. There was a story of a scam that was going on in South Auckland that the Commerce Commission actually investigated because it had all the appearances of a pyramid scheme. And it was a cryptocurrency scam? It revolved around cryptocurrency. That right. was sort of one of the key elements to it. The worst part of my job is trying to protect people from having their funds stolen, particularly when you know the scammer has socially engineered them and they really want to go ahead with the transaction. Um, and I really want to convince them not to because I don't want to see them lose out. 
So Gosh, what's it, what's can you describe a scenario to me? What would be so tempting? So there's a lot of investment scams out there. And so the scammers will have set up a website. They've probably also set up some fake news around Mike Hoskin used this one trick to make millions of dollars. People click on a you know an article that looks like a real article but is just fake. It takes them through to this website that looks like a real art- website but is just fake. Um, and that website will promise some returns. You know, they'll be making 5% a day or something crazy like that. And if they invest money in, and the scammers are very, very um, sophisticated in their scams, both in how the websites look and feel, but also in how they're engaging with the victim. So scammers are master manipulators. They know every trick in the book. They will um, be calling people every day, multiple times a day, building rapport with them, you know, creating this feeling of trust. I've I've had people say to me, you know, they're dealing with an investment broker, which is always a red flag. Um, and they'll say to me, oh, no, you know, Mike wouldn't do that. I know Mike. We've, you know, I talk to him every day. We've been, you know, I know he's like a friend. He'll come visit me when he's in New Zealand. And they really work to build up the trust. And then what they will do is once they've got the customers on the hook and have them put some money in, they will show them that the money is making all these great returns and they'll, you know, they're playing on greed and, you know, people not wanting to miss out on this great deal. So they get them to put in more and more and more. And it's only when they try to withdraw the funds that there starts to be problems and that might come in the form of, oh, there's taxes you need to pay or, oh, there's a withdrawal fee or, oh, there's this great deal coming up and you really don't want to miss out on this one. And there's, you know, the scammers will just keep dragging people along as long as they can to get as much money out of them as possible and then they will disappear. A lot of people don't realise, but it's illegal in New Zealand to call people with an investment offer. So if anyone ever rings you offering an investment opportunity, just hang up because it will be a scam. You know, investing in cryptocurrency, are, are people more susceptible than any other kind of investment? Potentially. I mean, I think crypto has two things going for it that make it a great tool for scammers. One is that um, people don't understand it, so it's easier to trick you with something that you don't understand. Um, And secondly, because there are so many genuine stories out there of people making all this money, it's easier to tell people that, hey, look, invest in this thing and you're going to make millions because those stories do happen. So it sounds plausible and it's also confusing and I think that's a perfect playground for scammers. We talk about it being seen as more of a legitimate asset class and this is probably why I think maybe cryptocurrency is probably here to stay is IRD has like released updated guidance on how it plans to tax cryptocurrencies oh really they've also sort of gone to crypto marketplaces and asked them to hand over the personal details of their customers so those people can be taxed and while for crypto investors that may be an annoyance it probably goes a long way to giving the whole you know cryptocurrencies in general a degree of legitimacy You've also got more and more institutional investors sort of piling into the space as and well. banks. Banks as well. Uh, there's a KiwiSaver provider in New Zealand that has talked about how uh, traditional modes of investing, what is it, the 60-40 balance that is now long gone, like they encourage uh, other KiwiSaver providers or investors to really consider cryptocurrencies as a way to really add value or add a, you know, another mix to your portfolio. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can download us free to your mobile phone every day on any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can find us too. Alexia Russell produced today's episode. Blair Stagpool engineered it. And thanks to Janine Granger and Nicholas Poynton. And we'll leave you with more of Brent Tahoon.
You can use it to buy everyday stuff. Gas, food, assassins, clothes, rent, the basic. Bro, you would have had a fat tip coming your way if you accepted weenie coin. I'm gonna I'm gonna ride this out. I don't care. We gotta hold the line on. I'm going Wolf of Wall Street on this, and I'm not leaving. I used to be a vegan crossfitter with an air fryer, but thanks to crypto, now I have a new thing to talk about all the time.